Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, an apparent UFO crash that happened in New Mexico in 1945 really complicates the entire government cover-up that we've been talking about that a lot of us know is ongoing for at least 75 years. It actually might be going on longer than that uh, when you consider some of these other incidents. Now, just recently, I was talking about uh, alleged UFO crashes that occurred before Roswell, before the July 1947 Roswell incident. One of those cases was the 1897 Aurora, Texas crash, which was actually reported in uh, two different newspapers at the time. And there was uh, some kind of a craft crashed and blew up. And there was a, a being found that was not an inhabitant of this earth, according to the article at the time. And it was this, this being was buried in a local cemetery in Aurora, Texas, and then everyone forgot about it and moved on with life. It wasn't treated as a big deal. Maybe, it, maybe really what happened is that you know, nobody really wanted to uh, face the implications of this incident, and they just wanted to move on with their lives. Oh, boy, something from outer space. Uh, let's, uh, let's forget about it and think about uh, uh, something else. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the whole, maybe that's the reason no, it never really went anywhere. And then, of course, there was the 1941 incident. There was an incident that's been reported that happened uh, near Cape Girardeau in Missouri in April of 1941, where apparently uh, something crashed. Army personnel showed up. There were two dead aliens, and one of them was just hanging on uh, to life and was about to die. And this local reverend was brought in uh, to read last rites over it, over this being. And then uh, this reverend told, but he was told, uh, sworn to secrecy, but he but he went and told some of his family members anyway about what happened. And apparently some people in this town knew about it, but no one ever talked about it. And it was, you know, uh, decades later, the story came out. A oh, uh, 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 granddaughter of this reverend uh, was able to get information on, on, uh, from her grandmother, who, who happened to be the, the wife of the reverend, on her deathbed. And, and then, you know, but that's all we really have. There's not a lot of information about this one. But again, it's, I guess it's possible. It's possible something ha crashed in Missouri in 1941. But, and then uh, th something else happened now. In 1945, there's a, a talk, uh, there's a, a, a story where, and, some, and, and at least one of the witnesses still, uh, still alive uh, that saw this thing that crashed in uh New Mexico, actually only a month basically after the first atomic bomb test that happened uh, in Alamogordo, uh, New Mexico. And, and this is something that's been investigated by uh, famous UFO investigator Jacques Vallée. Anyway, uh, here's an article that appeared in the Daily Mail on uh, December 29th. Uh, and I'm going to read some of this article. It says, exclusive, Pentagon ordered to reinvestigate 1945 crash of mysterious avocado-shaped UFO dubbed the Roswell before Roswell as expert reveals eyewitness accounts of the encounter. Okay, we're going to read some of this. It says here, the government's UFO office has been ordered to reinvestigate an alleged 1945 crash of a strange object in New Mexico, dubbed the Roswell before Roswell. A new military spending bill signed into law by President Biden last week was specifically amended to incorporate the intriguing case into a historic review of UFO incidents to be conducted by the Department of Defense. Jacques Vallée, a former contractor for the government's UFO office and the co-author of a book on the 1945 case, gave an exclusive interview to DailyMail.com about it. Vallée, a renowned scientist and UFO investigator, was the inspiration for the French scientist character in Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, played by Francois Truffaut. 
In his interview, he described the alleged August 1945 crash of an avocado-shaped craft on the edge of the atomic bomb testing site near San Antonio, New Mexico, about 100 miles from the infamous Roswell crash two years later. The National Defense Authorization Act, which passed Congress this month, includes a section requiring the Department of Defense's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARROW, to review and prepare a report on all previous government investigations of UFOs dating back to 1945. The bill's text previously only went back to 1947, but a late amendment changed it to 45. And here's what... Uh, Valet said, I was not involved in the drafting of the le legislation, but several of my D.C. friends were, and they got the date of the investigation pushed back to 1945, Valet told Daily Mail. Several of the congressmen involved have the book that Paola Harris and I wrote about our research at the alleged crash site called Trinity. Valet and Italian UFO journalist Harris's 2021 book, Trinity, The Best Kept Secret, was re-released this year with new information and is mainly based around testimony of three witnesses, a B-52 bomber pilot and two young sons of a rancher on whose land the UFO supposedly crashed. So basically, uh, this legislation that was recently passed, they actually changed the date back to 19 to January 1st 1945 they want this investigation to, uh, into this these uh, 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 UFOs to go back further beyond Roswell because of this case that's why they changed it because uh, you know there are witnesses to this case and they want to they, they, they think that that should be part of the, the government investigation now whether or not they're going to be able to get any information from the government on on this on this crash that remains to be seen I'll talk about that later but with regard to this crash, uh, let's continue here with this article. Um, uh, the two researchers interviewed the family of Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel William Brothy, who said he revealed in the years after the incident that he was sent out to survey the crash site on August 16, 1945. The first witness was a bomber pilot who was coming in for landing at Alam Alamogordo, the neighboring air base, Valet told Daily Mail. He was asked by the controllers to look at a communication tower they had that had lost signal. He told the story to his family. His son gave us the recollection of what his father had described. Flying over, he saw the tower was bent as if it had been hit by something very hard, and then he saw in the vegetation some distance away a large egg-shaped object, and there were two little kids that he called Indians on their horses next to the object. Valet said those two kids were Jose Padilla, 9, and Raymay Baca, 7. Padilla, now 86, became a highway patrol officer for 32 years, and Baca, who died in 2013, became a United States Marine and later a senior staffer for Washington Governor Dixie Lee Ray. They kept their story secret for more than 50 years, at last deciding to come forward in 2003 in an interview with a journalist from their hometown. So that's interesting. These two these two little witnesses they were little kids at the time and they waited all those years you know the one guy's still alive and he's in his 80s now uh they waited all those years to tell their story uh to the to the public anyway continuing here it says interviews with valet and harris decades after the crash saw them describe stumbling across the wreckage of a craft while looking for a lost cow on padilla's father's ranch by the rio grande on august 16th 1945 we heard this sound and the ground shook baca said in one interview we saw smoke coming from maybe a couple of canyons down we worked our way down the ridge there was a gouge in the earth as long as a football field and a circular object at the end of it it was the color of the old pot my mother was always trying to shine up a dull metallic color 
He said he could feel the heat from the crash through the soles of his shoes. Bacchus said he picked up a piece of foil-like metal that sprung back to its original shape when folded. Now, let's, uh, uh, let's just stop there for a second. So very similarly, there was material there that a lot of people uh, who witnessed, uh, who were witnesses to the Roswell crash, you know, the same kind of foil-type material that crumb you could crumble it up and then it just straightens right back, back out again like, like magic. Uh, so this is the same kind of materials they're describing. And anyway, here it gets, the story gets even better, though. It says, strange-looking creatures were moving around inside, he added. They looked under stress. They moved fast, as if they were able to will themselves from one position to another in an instant. They were shadowy and expressionless, but definitely living beings. They had big, bulgy eyes, four foot tall, and they were real thin, needle-thin arms. Their heads looked like campamoca, which means praying mantis. They seemed like they seemed like us, children, not dangerous, but we were scared and exhausted. The boys fled home on their horses and told Padilla's father what they had seen. Faustino Padilla told them it probably probably belonged to the army and to ignore it. But but they persuaded him to check out the site two days later with state policeman Eddie Apodaca. Baca and Padilla said the craft was still there, but the debris was gone. The object covered with, with dirt and the ground appeared to have been raked okay well let's just stop there for a second now you have to wonder so apparently somebody showed up from the military after these two kids saw this if this story is true then after these two kids saw this craft with the beings inside somebody from the army obviously showed up but they left the craft there they didn't get it out there out of there yet and you have to wonder what happened to the beings were the beings still there when the military arrived or did they get out of there you know you have to wonder about that too we don't really know uh, the, the, I mean, the beings were still alive. The kids were looking inside. They could see these things moving inside the craft. They had, they looked like praying mantis. They had heads like praying mantises. So these weren't your regular gray type things. These look like the praying mantis type things that are, uh, that we hear, that seem to be in charge of, of the grays. And they were crashed there and, uh, and, and they were moving around, around and they looked really strange. Like they could move, like appear and disappear, like move from one part of the ship to another part instantaneously that has to be very strange to see but this is what they said they saw uh continuing here it says the next day an army sergeant named avilia showed up at the ranch asking faustino if they could cut out his fence put in a gate and grade a road to the crash site for a tr for a tractor trailer baca said we have one of our experimental weather balloons that inadvertently fell on your property baca remember the sergeant saying so again interesting <laughs> weather balloon they're still you're using weather balloons even before roswell they're using that as an excuse again if this story is true over the following week the two boys snuck out to the site and used binoculars to spy on a unit of army officer officers who stood guard loaded the 20 the 25 by 14 foot roughly five ton avocado shaped object onto a flatbed truck and covered it with blue tarpaulins they told harris there was no sign of the creatures they claimed they saw earlier. On the last day, the boys plucked up the courage to sneak up and peek under the tarp while the young, bored soldiers were at lunch. Jose said, I think they're going to take it tonight. I said, I said, yeah, how about how about a souvenir, Baca told Harris. Jose pulls part of the tarp off, exposing the gash on the side of the craft while I hold the tarp open. Jose climbs into the gash. They described ridges inside every few feet, silvery colored strands like angel hair decorations, and a 2.5 foot metal panel attached to the rear wall with pins. No seals or anything, Baca said. It must have been cleaned out, or maybe there weren't any. Couldn't see any instruments 
instruments like gauges, clocks, steering wheel, brake pedals, nothing like that. The plucky kids grabbed a crowbar from the tractor, used it to rip the large panel off the wall, and scurried off. They said they hid the metal under the floorboards of a nearby building and kept quiet about the case, fearing retribution by the army against their families, especially after officers came to search Faustino's house. Baca and Padilla eventually moved away and lost contact until 2002 when Baca reconnected with his old friend via a genealogy search. He was, it was then they decided to tell their story. In 2015, Valet had a spectroscopy analysis performed on the metal panel they said they recovered from the wreckage. It points to a mundane man-made origin. The metal is aluminum, primarily alloyed to copper and silicon, the report by Frontier Analysis said. A mix often used for engine crankcases, gas and oil tanks, engine oil pans, blah, blah, blah. The foil-like metal that Baca claimed he picked up had been lost after he allegedly used it to fix a leaking pipe on the ranch as a boy. Uh, anyway, I'm going to stop there. There's more to the article, but you know you can see where this is going. I, I guess the whole thing here, uh, uh, what what's interesting about this now, I mean, Valet is a really good researcher, and he uh, has confidence in this story, or he wouldn't have spent a lot of time writing a book about it. And I've seen him talking about this in different interviews and, and that. And, and obviously, uh, people that he knows believe that this is uh, uh, something that's uh, important too, or they wouldn't have changed the language in this new uh, bill to include this investigation to go back to 1945 rather than start in 1947. But, you know, the whole thing is it, it complicates the whole situation. You know, you know, when I first started looking into this, you know, all it seemed like the very, the, the crash the only the first known crash was that the government uh you know looked into was the roswell incident in 1947 but then you hear about this 1941 case in missouri and then you hear about this case in 1945 and it seems like the army was involved in both of these both of those cases too now of course the 1941 case doesn't have as no, enough verification in it but here you have you have you know one of these guys is still alive still talking about it and if it happened okay you have to wonder what like, how did the, I mean, for one thing, we don't even know if those aliens were still there by the time the military showed up and started uh, clearing things out, you know, were, were the aliens still there or did some other ship show up and, you know, rescue them, you know, get them out of there before the army, you know, showed up, you know, who knows? So let's just say, let's say that happened. Let's say that the, the aliens got out of there, but they did find the craft with no bodies, no aliens inside, and they, they recovered that craft. And now how, how would they have looked at that? Like how would how, you know? Would they have known? Would there, would there have been scientists at the time uh, working for the government that would have been able to look at that and determine uh, this is this this is an, of Earth. This is something that's uh, extraterrestrial. Would that determination determination have been made, or, or or and would they have? And if the 1941 incident is was was real, would you know? Would have the same conclusion been made? Oh, this is similar to that 1941 craft that we found. So obviously, there's something extraterrestrial. So if the, if those two cases are true, that means the cover up actually started in 1941. Okay, if the 1941 incident isn't, isn't true, but the 1945 incident is true, then that means the cover up really started in 1945. Uh, you know, like I heard Richard Dolan saying when he was talking about the 1941 case one time, he was he he said that maybe the military uh, would have uh, stove piped it basically you know the the government they find this and they just they don't know what to think about it they don't know what to do about it so they're just well let's put this aside for later on we're not going to tell anybody about it there's nothing we could do i don't know what to say 
you know, what can we do? I mean, uh, we can't really tell people that there's extraterrestrials from you know other worlds coming here because, uh, I mean, look what happened in 1938 with that War of the Worlds broadcast, right, from Orson Welles. I mean, that, you know, that that could have been the thinking at the time i don't know or maybe they maybe that 1941 incident and the 1945 incident maybe they weren't sure what it was i mean maybe they just couldn't even scientists at the time might have might not have been able to make themselves come to believe that th that there's actual beings from outer space coming here and maybe they thought it was some something from uh, a foreign country some sort of weapon that they just need to try to figure out they don't know what it is but maybe we'll figure it out over time who knows what they were thinking because it's interesting how you know when you when you if those two things are true and then you see how everything went down in 1947 you had the kenneth arnold sighting in june of 1947 right and everyone all of a sudden seen flying saucers all over the place now was there anyone within the government at the time was harry truman aware of the other crashes you would have to assume he would have been right of these other things were they did they already know in advance that these flying saucers were most likely the same kind of objects that had crashed in 1941 and 1945 it complicates the whole situation here. It really does. It really, because uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, we, we, I, I, for for years, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't really know about the 1941 case, and I didn't really know about this case until much later on. You know, like I, you know, you, you know, really, it seemed like, you know, it, it changes the whole narrative. The narrative changed changes because of this. It means that the the cover up started before Roswell. So it's more than 70, you know, I'm always, you know, you know, screaming and hollering that 75 years are covering this up. No, it actually could be a lot longer than that. Could be over 80 years now that they've been covering this up. I don't know, but it does complicate the narrative. It changes the narrative, you know, and, and again, you know, we don't know. We just don't know if these stories are, are true or not. We don't know. I mean, there, again, it's these, those other two stories, uh, the, the 1941 case and then this 1945 case, they're different because there's not as many witnesses. However, we still have one witness who's still alive for the 1945 case. Uh, and there's just a lot we don't know about it. I mean, all we can go is by what these, you know, what these, you know, two witnesses, those two kids saw, really, and that one pilot. But, I mean, the two kids and, and the one guy who's still alive, I mean, the fact that, you know, this is, I mean, why, I mean, they waited a long time. You know, you, they, you know, maybe it would have been better if they would have come out in the 80s or late 70s, early 80s, you know, when... When the Roswell thing exploded, they could have said, hey, uh, you know, they could have said, hold on a second, hold, hold, you know, hold my bear, you know, and, and, and come forward with their story then. Because who knows, maybe there would have been more people alive that could have at that, at that time that might have been maybe to help verify it. And uh, again, we don't know where the those aliens were still alive that they saw, apparently. Right, they're running, rushing around inside this craft. You know what happened to them? I mean, that's all speculation. If they died, like say they died there, right, in 1945 before the military showed up, or even if they were still alive, did we actually have alien, live aliens or dead aliens? Uh, did our government actually have that before 1947? I mean, it just it really changes the whole narrative of the whole cover up. Really, I mean, now it seems like. You know, things really went into high gear. The cover-up most certainly went into high gear in 1947. You know, it could have been the case that in, in 1941, 1945, maybe they just thought these were one-offs. You know, there's, you know, this ain't going to happen ever again, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, flying saucers start showing up everywhere. Kenneth Arnold sees them, and then everyone else is seeing them. And then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks later, you know, not even, I don't think, something crashes in Roswell. They're just, you know, completely unprepared. 
you know, and so they, you know, that that's why uh, it was hard. It's, you, you don't hear much about the crashes that happened after Roswell, well, because they didn't have that uh, the, a system in place yet. Majestic 12 wasn't formed yet. You know, they didn't have to do that yet. I mean, uh, so that all came afterward. And that's why there was, you know, leaks. That's why there were people that, you know, were sitting on this like Jesse Marcel Sr. for all these years before he came forward. But yeah, it's a very interesting case, and uh, I, I recommend reading that that full article. Check it out, uh, and plus the the book. I haven't read the book. I, I'm going to actually order that uh, today. I think tonight when I get off the when I get done with this podcast, I'm going to order that book because I haven't read that book, and it's, it seems like something I really want to read, and uh, you know, find find more, find out more about, you know, find more, find find more about, find out more about. Boy, oh boy. Anyway. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, right, we're going to talk about is it going to be possible at all to get documentation for this case? We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Okay, I'm talking about this alleged crash of a UFO in 1945 that uh, came down somewhere near San Antonio, New Mexico, and uh, some witnesses, and uh, uh, two little kids specifically, saw this crash. It was an avocado-shaped object. Uh, so this is a, a case that was investigated uh, by uh, famous UFO investigator Jacques Vallée, and uh, you know, I guess the whole thing is now, it, it, you know, in this recent article that was in Daily Mail, it talks about like how this, uh, you know, talks about how this uh, new bill will basically, uh, it, you know, orders the, the government to investigate UFO cases dating back to 1945. And the reason it goes back to 1945 is because some Congress people are aware of this were aware of this uh, alleged 1945 case and they want to see if there's any way to get any kind of documentation uh, that, that will uh, tell the story on this. And so, in fact, in that article, it says that the, the National Defense Authorization Act, which passed Congress this month, includes a section requiring the Department of Defense's all domain anomaly resolution office to review and prepare a report on all previous government investigations of UFOs dating back to 1945. The bill's text was previously the bill's text previously only went back to 1947, but a late amendment changed it to 45. And the reason they changed that was because of this case. The people want to find out if there's any information, if the government has any information with regard to this this case. And I'm going to just say it right out front here. I don't think there will be any information that will be that they're going to find. And I'll say that because I what happened uh, in in the in the 1990s, uh, there was an effort uh, by. Congress, uh, people within Congress to get information about Roswell. And guess what happened? There was absolutely nothing. All the records in Roswell were, uh, from 1940, I think it was from 1946 uh, to 1949 were gone. Gone. Destroyed, apparently. According, in fact, here, here I'm going to read a little section here from, uh, this is the Roswell, the ultimate cold case closed by Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt. It says here, this is on page 12 and uh, 13. In 1993, the General Accounting Office, GAO, now known as the Government Accountability Office, which is the investigative arm of Congress, at the request of the late New Mexico Congressman Stephen Schiff, undertook a search of all relevant government agencies, the Department of Defense, the CIA, the Air Force, etc., 
for documents relating to the 1947 Roswell incident for the purpose of determining whether they were handled properly and classified appropriately according to established policies and procedures. Representative Schiff was not tasked to prove the Roswell case one way or the other. The results of the search were published by the GAO in 1995 and, instead of clarifying things, served only to muddy the waters even more. No additional documents were turned up by any of the agencies tasked by the GAO beyond those very few documents that were already known. But a bigger surprise came when it was discovered that all documents, such as teletype messages, telexes, radiograms, letters, invoices, and other records emanating from the Roswell Army Airfield, later known as Walker Air Force Base, covering the general time frame of the Roswell incident, had been destroyed years before without explanation or apparent authority. To Roswell investigators, such as ourselves, already convinced of a massive government cover-up of this case, there can be no innocent explanation for this, especially now that we know where and by whom the cover-up began. To skeptics of the Roswell incident, well, it was just one of those things signifying nothing. Okay, so there you go. So that's what those guys said, you know, in their book, Roswell, I highly admit, uh, or highly recommend uh, that book, Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed, excellent excellent book about the Roswell incident. Um, <clears throat> so I, I would believe that the same thing's going to happen here. I mean, what happened to the, all those records that, they, that were apparently destroyed uh, by the military, by the Air Force, right? From, from that, that, that would have basically, you know, pro uh, potentially provided the evidence that was needed in, in, back in the 1990s that would have ended this whole question. So, so apparently, either those records were actually destroyed, right, or lost, or whatever, or they were actually all collected and and kept somewhere else. Probably, I would say, uh, there's probably a good chance that Majestic 12 has all those all any documents related to that whole incident were probably stored by Majestic 12 in some you know ultra top secret location someplace. I mean, that's what I would think, and I would imagine that the same is going to hold true with this. So again, I think, you know, again, that's why this whole whistleblower protection stuff comes is going to come in handy because otherwise, I mean, I don't see, I don't, I, you know, I, it, it seems evident to me that, that, that the people in charge, you know, of all these different, uh, you know, in charge of the Air Force, the Navy, anybody, right, they, they, all of these uh, uh all these different divisions of the, of the of the military, right? They're not going to release this information. I think that they're uh, they're receiving they they have received some sort of order from this other secret office, this Majestic Twelve, that that will not allow them to do so because they're still lying right now. They're still lying right now about this. You know, just recently I talked about how you know Ronald Moultrie, you know, had that uh, meeting you know with reporters and and you know i said there's absolutely no evidence of all that that shows that these things are extraterrestrial they're extraterrestrial they're most certainly they're extraterrestrial there's no question about it that there's extraterrestrials here and there's no question about it that the government knows about this that the military knows about this that there are some elements within the military that know about this there's some some people are some of them are certainly kept out of the loop but there are some people that know about this and there has to be a control group there's no question there's a secret control group now that's the whole question here who has the who's going to have this stuff on this 1945 case if in fact it was real it's going to be that secret control group they're not going to find any documentation right i, I just don't see it. it's going to be the same thing that happened with roswell when they tried to find documentation on that the 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 accounting office was unable to because they said it was all destroyed according to the air force everything was destroyed no we don't want nothing 
nothing to see here right so that's i think that's what's going to happen again i mean i think you're you're, you're uh, probably already i mean probably you know w w here's what probably happened i there's either two things that happen here right it, it, in in 1947 when when this majestic 12 was established when Truman signed off on that majestic 12 group right uh, I believe that what happened was either all kinds of documentation with regard to what happened at Roswell was was transferred from the uh, Army Air Force to this uh, Majestic 12, right? That, that's that's one thing that could happen. I, I I would believe that they would have done that. But there's all say say they didn't. If that did, say they were lax in that area, right? Then what, what then what probably happened is when Jesse Marstell uh, stepped out of the shadows in the late '70s and told what he knew about it, and then other people start talking about it. And then by 1980, there was a, a book already out called The Roswell Incident. And then throughout the '80s, people are talking about Roswell and the Majestic 12 documents were leaked and all that stuff. When that stuff, maybe at that point, when those things started happening, it could have been that okay, we gotta we gotta make sure those Air Force records are you know hidden. So it could have been at that point when those records were taken, either destroyed or you know you know vaulted up somewhere by majestic 12 in a, in a secret location that's probably one of those two things happened right uh and i think that this is already a done deal with this incident too and, and most likely if the 1941 cape girardu incident if that was real right if that if that was a real crash and, and recovery and and a cover-up well the, all that stuff there's not going to be any place to find you're not going to there's going to be no documents available right uh, unless some whistleblower uh, has them somehow obtains, obtains them and then shows them to Congress, that's going to be the only way. Uh, I mean, hope there could all there could be some people right now. I mean, there could be some whistleblowers, some people that are within Majestic Twelve itself, right? Again, we don't know if it's still called Majestic Twelve or what it's called today, but there has to be a secret control group. One way or the other, there's a secret control group, okay? Whether you believe in the Majestic 12 documents or not, there's a secret control group. There's no question about this. There has to be. So somebody within that secret control control group could, could, might, might be sick of this cover-up, you know? And maybe they've made copies of documents, or maybe they have some evidence stored away, and they've been waiting for this legislation to pass so they could show it to Congress. That's always a possibility. That would be one way to end this whole, whole uh, debate. Hopefully that's what's going to happen. But I, would, you know, I think it's very possible what's going to happen here is that they're not going to find anything because those documents have been either destroyed or moved to some other location where no one could ever see them uh, unless they, the Majestic 12, wants anyone else to see them. That's, that's what I think. Anyway, uh, I want to say uh, thank you uh, because uh, to my uh, followers because I recently, I just just today i hit a thousand subscribers on youtube now so people who listen to me on spotify and also the people that watch me on youtube i want to say thank you very much because uh, i i hit a thousand uh subscribers uh, on youtube now of course I, I you know sometimes i lose subscribers so it might fall underneath a thousand it might drop down to 997 but you know i made it so at some point i mean i'll i'll get over a thousand hopefully and stay there but i want to thank everybody uh and also uh ufo channels ufob and military witnesses to uap for uh helping to promote my channel recently and help helping me to get to the a thousand subscribers i want to thank those uh, all those people i appreciate it very much and uh you know i'm i'm very happy about this and also i just want to comment here I received a message. Uh, you know, I've been talking the other day. I was talking about uh, uh, um, my 
some of the messages that I receive from uh, some of the comments I receive from people on on my podcast and on YouTube with regard to my channel. And I was uh, talking about you know how somebody was complaining in one of the messages that you know I was talking too fast and uh, you know that I need to slow down and breathe. And I I agreed with that comment because uh, sometimes I do do that. In one of the episodes, a couple of the episodes recently, I was drinking a lot of coffee before I did it before I did the episodes, and it made it even worse. And I was you know spitting mad on top of talking fast and just it was you know. So I understand. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I received a message today on my spotify from someone named missy and this is what she said she said i love your podcast and i will i also will listen to it twice once on spotify and and youtube p.s i think it is sexy when you get spitting mad jacked up on coffee and screaming you make my heart flutter so what do you think of that what do you think of that the women love this how, how about that huh huh they like when i get mad and upset huh huh <laughs> anyway i just thought that was a nice little comment thanks a lot missy i'm glad you're enjoying it and to everyone else i want to say again thank you very much for uh following me and on on my on my uh podcast whether you're spotify or apple you know itunes whatever whatever you're following me on i re really appreciate it and again i appreciate everyone on youtube and I'm, I'm thankful that i was able to finally hit a thousand subscribers i appreciate it very much